This is Greg Voison inviting you to listen to our latest Inside Personal Growth podcast, number 871 with Gav Gillibrand about his new book entitled The GHG Method, A No-Bullshit Approach to Losing Body Fat, Upgrading Your Mindset, and Radically Changing Your Life. This podcast, number 871, is brought to you by Dave Anderson, author of a new book entitled Intentional Mindset, Developing Mental Toughness and a Killer Instinct. Dave focuses on what it takes to create an awareness of being intentional and living a life that focuses on you achieving your goals, dreams, and feeling good about your accomplishments. If you want to learn more about Dave Anderson, please visit his website at www.learntolead.com. That is learn, L-E-A-R-N-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. And now for our featured podcast, please listen to my interview with author Gav Gillibrand about his new book entitled The GHG Method, A No-Bullshit Approach to Losing Body Fat, Upgrading Your Mindset, and Radically Changing Your Life. Enjoy listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Gav, as I do every time, if you listen to my shows, we're almost at 900, getting there close. Um, I thank the listeners. You know, I go in all the time. I look to see how this base is growing, and it's just phenomenal. And it's all over the world. Um, England is actually our third largest listening audience. So that's pretty good. So it's United States, Canada, then England. And today joining us from the north of England is Gav Gillibrand. And Gav is a fitness coach extraordinaire. We're going to be speaking with him uh, about his book. This is the book, The GHG Method. Obviously, those are his initials. Uh, and the middle initial stands for Howard, if I remember correct. <laughs> <laughs> it does, but, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> so good day to you. How are you doing today? I'm very good, uh, Greg. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on the show. We got here in the end, didn't we? Yeah, we got here. And I like your shirt. It says "Never Stop Growing." So that must Never be stop one growing. Of, that must be one of your mottos. Could uh, could be uh, literally or metaphorically as well. So uh, <laughs> physically and and mentally. Yeah, I, I, there's a there's a trio of t-shirts I've got. I, I got them off the internet. Popped up on my Instagram. It said, "There's never stop growing, never stop training, and never stop learning." I thought it was quite a good good. Um, let's have a look. You can see it. It, 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 yeah. it definitely is. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a good one. Well, for all of you out there who can see, Gav is physically very fit. Emotionally, I'm not certain of that, but no, I'm just kidding you. Uh, but uh, but well, he's, I need he's, work. I need work on that. Yeah. yeah. Emotionally and mentally, no, but physically he's doing great. No, he actually is a well-put-together guy. Uh, Gav Gillibrand is a fitness and nutrition expert who specializes in helping busy executives, men and women, because when you go to the website, it's not going to just see testimonials from uh, men. You're going to see testimonials from women as well um, to become great role models uh, for their kids and leaders and for their families as well as their business. Um, you know, he had a, a brief TV appearance on Blind Date in 1993, uh, a distinguishing career as a male rev artist. And for all of you who don't know what a rev artist is, because there's probably a lot that don't. Uh, he was a male stripper. <laughs> he traveled all over UK and Europe, 
Uh, Gav went on to become one of the UK's most successful fitness coaches, having helped hundreds of clients in the last 10 years uh, to weight loss success. Uh, he re- has written articles for Men's Health, Hello, OK Magazine, and many more. Uh, and if you want to find out more about Gav, it's very easy. Gav Gillibrand, G. I-L-L-I-B-R-A-N-D.com. We're going to put a link on our blog entry uh, to that as well. So, Gav, pleasure having you on. And, you know, fitness, it, it's confusing world out there today. I mean, everybody, yeah. information coming off the Internet, posts on Facebook, posts on Instagram, people hyping themselves up and all that. Um you know, tell our listeners a little about yourself and how you develop this passion for helping people. And I'm going to say it's not just older people, it's anybody who's gained weight. Um, I think actually statistically, I can't guarantee this, we talk about obesity in this country, the US, but I've seen a lot of documentaries about the UK as well. And the UK is pushing up or pushing to the same limits as the U.S. So speak with us about how you help people. I like to use the word release weight because to me, releasing means if you lose it, you can get it back. If you release it, you mean it's let go forever um, so they can feel good about themselves. Well, yeah, as you said, to back up to your point, it's very confusing. There's a lot of misinformation and this is partly um hollywood and celebrities have got a lot to blame because when they promote a product when they call something a special diet and a different training program it's usually to make a lot of money now some of those programs and diets have got some science and real grounding in them but a lot of them are just complete garbage and it's very confusing and my whole job if you look at most my biggest platform is LinkedIn. Most of my posts and videos and interactions around busting the myths of fitness. Now, if I'd say to most people, if I said the words losing weight, what do those words conjure up straight away? Most people, not everyone, most people think cut carbohydrates, no drinking at the gym five days a week, elimination, restriction. I've got to start this diet and eat a certain way and be a certain way. And then I can't wait for this diet to finish. So there's a lot of misinformation and sort of stereotypes around what's needed to to help people lose weight, but it couldn't be further from the truth. And most people just don't have the basics. Uh, They just don't understand how food works now. And people. But it, but it is, it is um, when you, when you look at it, just uh, simply, I mean, I'm no expert, but I've certainly been around enough people who've been on the show, like yourself, who've shared how they do it, right? Mm-hmm. So you do have to do some calorie restriction. And sure. it is not one of the secrets, and I'm going to ask you this because, you know, I'm an avid cyclist. You can cycle all you want, but that doesn't mean if you put in the amount of carbs, you're going to lose the weight. Um, and the, all the cardio you can do is not probably going to get you to lose the weight. But I have been told, and by a lot of reliable sources, that the more weights you lift, lifting weights or at mm-hmm. least lifting something is going to help you. What's, what's your theory around that? 
absolutely it will help but the only way you lose weight is by being in that calorie deficit so you can do all the cycling and all the resistance training you want it's a simple equation and i'll explain it so there's three there's three phases of gaining weight and losing weight if you're in a calorie deficit calorie deficit is where you're burning more than you're taking in so the food and drink comes in and as long as you're burning more expending more energy and that could be from living cycling training as long as you burn more at the end of the day end of the week you're going to burn body fat well most people are in a what we call a calorie surplus that's where the food and drink they take in is more than they're burning and that's how we gain weight now the the phase in the middle is called maintenance that's what most people do generally is like they overeat one day they undereat the next day so it's all about getting the energy balance so it doesn't matter how much exercise you do if you don't know how many calories are coming in you've got to be in a calorie deficit and this is the problem like you could name a hundred diets on the market right now they're all different philosophies different food types different training schedules but they only work by one mechanism and this is the bullshit that the industry keeps keep telling people there's no special diet to be on to lose weight the only way you lose body fat is by being in a calorie deficit so i don't care if you do high protein, high carb, low carb, South Beach, cabbage soup diet, Jillian uh, Michaels, uh, you name it. Every single diet out there only works by one mechanism, and that's by burning more than you're taking in. So well, your yeah, your body. Got. So speak with us. You know, maybe I'm getting a little too technical here because we are going to go into the Pareto principle and a few other. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of questions for you, but uh, something that comes up for me is you know mm-hmm. people will say, "Hey, I started this thing, and the first month I lost the ten pounds, and then the body goes into like a homeostasis. It's it's resistance." Um, what is your thought around that? Because you know we do know what happens is you get kind of the, even if you're doing the deficit. Uh, there's an issue. There's an issue around maintenance. So maybe you go for the month, you lose ten, or you lose whatever you lose. And if the body is there, do you basically let it go to maintenance and then go back to uh, the the deficit? What is what's your strategy there? Yeah, it's 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 a good question, and that, uh, the body will adapt. The body doesn't want to lose weight. That's the reality. Right. Um, it's a great like all storing body fat is a, a storage facility for when times of hardship or famine so it's very effective from in terms of evolutionary storing body fat what it wants to do that and the great thing is if you're obese and overweight if we ever had a serious famine you would stay a lot you'd stay alive a lot longer than someone that was lean but you're right the body will adapt and it gets tricky but it will it takes a lot more than 10 pounds but what usually happens like i work with clients for 12 weeks and a lot of them will lose 25 to 30 pounds. Now, you're right. You can't, let's say they still had an extra 30 pounds to lose. You're right. You can't just keep lowering the calories. You can't just do that because the body will stop. Um, and what it usually means is by expending more. So there's also a certain amount of calories. You don't really want to take someone's calories too low because the problem with only reducing calories, um, people have less energy their metabolic yeah. rate will drop. So they'll end up using less energy. So like if, if, if 1500 calories is working for a certain person, well, people say, well, if I drop to a thousand calories, would it work even better? Well, but doesn't everything the, slow down when you reduce those calories? They even all the way down to you, the, your eyelids, how fast they open abso- and close. Ab- absolutely. I mean, absolutely, when you look at yeah. weightlifters who've basically done, uh, they, they'll say, Hey, look, 
just before an event, right? Uh, these guys are, are basically waiting for the event and they say, well, don't you want to go out and do a walk or don't you want to go do something? It's like, no, I just want to sit and not expend energy. You know, it's the same thing on those people naked and afraid. You can see these guys that have gained, you know, if they're survivalists, 10, 15, 20 pounds because they know they're in for 60 days of just basically barely making it right yeah. to live off of that, that excess fat. So what is going on there metabolically? Well, what we have to do, I'll just back up slightly. What we have to do is keep someone um, in that deficit, but they're not feeling hungry. And the problem with most diets, is what most people do, and again, to be general, when they go on a diet, they reduce their calories far too, too quick, too soon. Okay. And so let's say someone was, I'll just throw some figures out there. Let's say someone is eating 2,500 calories a day and they want to lose 20 pounds. And remember, they don't know how much they're taking in roughly, but they just reduce. And the, the first thing that most people tend to reduce is carbohydrates because they, along many of the myths that people have been told right. is they think, well, carbs make you fat, which is, again, is the biggest myth. So what people do is they reduce their carbs and right. their alcohol. And guess what? They lose weight. But they've reduced it from a figure they don't even know in the first place. Mm -hmm. We call it 2,500, but they don't know that because they're not tracking. They've reduced it to a figure they don't even know, and they lose a bit of weight. And what happens is the body, oh, this is working. But they don't know how many calories they're expending. So it's just guesswork. It's like throwing spam at the wall and expecting it to stick. So it, you're going to lose a little bit of weight, but unless you actually actively track your calories, know what's coming in, know what you're expending roughly because you're never really right. going to know that unless you're in a lamp and we want to keep the we're trying to help people lose weight on the smallest deficit possible so so you we, gradually we, increase that over time in other words you're saying you start uh, knowing what they could intake so let's say it's 1500 calories uh to, to use an example and you might De you might start at 2000 and decrease it slowly. Is that what you're saying? Well, well what, what would happen? We know that there's roughly 3,500 calories in a pound of body fat, right? Roughly, give or take. So, if we're looking to lose a pound of body fat a week, we have to burn or create a deficit of 500 calories. So, let's say someone was on 2,500 and we would track their calories for a week or two to find out where they are. And let's say 2,500 was maintenance. So, we know again, the maths don't or doesn't always work because the body's weird. We know that we need to create some type of deficit, get them eating. 2000 calories or including exercise maybe a little bit more but we need to create a deficit of 500 if they do that for a week they should lose a pound of body fat in theory now um you could then so you could put them on 2000 calories and then plus exercise could even be creating a an, an 800 calorie deficit which would be quite aggressive and they would start to lose weight quite quick and i look i have a lot of clients that lose one to two pounds, sometimes two pounds every single week, yet don't feel hungry, don't feel deprived, don't feel like they're on a diet. So it really is guesswork. For the first two weeks, we need to find out where are you? How, how many calories are you taking in right now? Um, and then we're going to look at the exercise. And then we're going to say, okay, let's create a deficit. Let's put you on this amount. So it needs tracking. And the way I like it. So what do you is, do about, what do you do, Gav, um, about someone feeling satiated? yet not having a craving. So in other words, if if you're satiated, 
which for all those listeners probably know, but that's a feeling, a sense of being full. Uh, and that's, that's a key versus they're not satiated and they're deficit. And now there's some kind of craving. Is there, okay, great, great is there a magic formula so, there? <laughs> there is. And the magic word is protein. Protein, okay. high protein. Pro- high, high protein. I'll tell you why. Um, let's Again, let's look at 2,000 calories. Someone could eat 2,000 calories and let's say it was very low protein and the rest was carbs, sugar, and fat, whatever. If someone has a high amount of protein, there's several reasons why protein is the magical nutrient. First of all, uh, there's all foods have got a rate of thermogenesis. And what that means is whenever we take foods in, the very act of swallowing, digestion, and elimination will actually burn calories. So protein has got a thermogenic rate of about 25 to 30%. So let's say you take in 300 calories from protein, roughly 100 of those calories will actually be burnt just in digestion. So high protein will keep you satiated, as you say, satiety. So that's the first reason. Second, um, that rate of thermogenesis. Third, we know that we need a good amount of protein to build muscle. So the more muscle someone can build when they're burning body fat, that extra muscle, we're only talking about a pound or two, even for guys, that extra muscle is the fat burning machinery of the body. The more muscle you've got, the more calories you can burn. So you're almost feeding the machine whilst keeping the appetite at bay. So the same 2,000 calories, a high-protein diet of 2,000 calories. And I like to get people to aim for about one and a half to two grams of protein per kilo of body weight. So a kilo is roughly two pounds, 2.2 pounds. So most people, let's say let's say someone is, I'll work this out in kilos, and I'll transfer it over to pounds. I don't use pounds. Let's say someone's 90 kilos. It's about 180, 190 pounds. And they want to get to 70 kilos. That's what's that? About 150, 160 pounds. They want to lose 30 pounds. So we get them to aim for two grams of protein per kilo of intended body weight. So they're 90 and they want to become 70. So at the top end, we would want them to aim for about 140 grams of protein between one and a half. So we're looking at about 110 to 140 grams of protein. When someone's protein is high, the same 2,000 calories just seems to go a lot further. So okay. I, if, someone, if someone's got serious cravings and they think, you know, I'm starving on 2,000 calories, I say, well, how, much, how many grams of protein are you having? And very often we'll see that their protein is not where it needs to be. The same 2,000 calories with a high protein amount can have a very different effect on the metabolism, appetite, um, even motivation because of dopamine. Um, so explain, explain, if you would, Gav, this myth between, you know, high protein, low fat, uh, high fat, keto, keto diet versus mm-hmm. somebody like myself, avid cyclist, because you got everybody in a different situation, uh, vegetarian, okay, vegan. So we've had yeah. Brandon Burchard on the show many times, a vegan triathlete. Right. And everyone would say, no, a vegan can't be a triathlete. There's just no way possible. So protein is normally associated with the ingestion of meat, animal products. So if you would dispel the myth that potentially exists, I'm not saying that 
you can't get the propane, but you're going to have to get the protein in a different way. Uh, Especially if you're not going to eat chicken, turkey, beef, whatever it is, right? So absolutely, um, yeah. And and look, vegan, vegetarian is it's a a way of life that people enjoy, but it it needs a bit of work. Like the protein is trickier, but because if you think of the protein sources that are vegan, let's look at vegan. Let's go pure vegan. Um, where they're not getting any dairy, any (laughs) eggs. Like, um, the only thing they can have is um, things like quinoa or or beans or lentils. Now, the downside of that is they come, they're quite high carb. So the high protein sources of vegan diet tends to come with carbohydrates. So they, it's trickier. And here's the reality. Now, vegan. You have have you this. had vegan clients come to yeah, you? Yeah, I have. I've got I've got two at the moment. I've got two at the moment. Yeah, because uh, the, well, the, the, the challenge that they find is the reason they're 30 pounds overweight is because the amount of carb consumption. You know, when you see a lot of vegans and vegetarians, you'll they're substituting the carbs, right? And they're yeah. not getting the proteins, like you're saying. That, and that's why right. I brought um, this question up because yeah, it's a fine yeah. line. I'd like to know how so you're counseling it, it, people. It's it's a fine line, and uh, um, the answer is it's it's tricky. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's, it's it's hard. But ultimately, what will trump everything? And here's the thing: if someone's got thirty pounds to lose, although protein is important, what's more important is total calories. So, again, stupid scenario, but not necessarily a stupid one. Let's say someone's having two thousand calories. This person's eating 2,000 calories. This one's getting 150 grams of protein. This one's a vegan and only getting 50 grams of protein. Okay. If they're both in a deficit, they're both, the fat loss would be pretty much identical. Okay. Yeah. The only difference would be the person having more protein would probably be a little bit stronger in the gym, possibly could build more muscle, possibly could recover a bit quicker. But in terms of pure fat loss, 2,000 calories is 2,000 calories. Yeah. Now, we know that a higher protein would burn more calories. It might speed the metabolism up. But it, when it, in the real world, it's negligible. So, Well, the satiation uh, yeah. point it, of someone but, who's a vegan or vegetarian yeah. could be, is a little bit harder to achieve, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, I think maybe higher cravings. Now, sure. you know, you speak of a listeners about this Pareto principle are also known as the 80, 20 rule. You write about it in the book. How does it relate to getting great results with weight loss? Um, I thought, I thought that would be a a good thing to kind of speak about. Absolutely. Well, you know, for those that don't know uh, Pareto or Pareto, 80, 20, and that what I've, I've kind of likened it to weight loss is, to get uh, fat loss or weight loss, you don't have to be perfect. 80% of your results come from 20% of your a- a- yeah. energy, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. There's look, yeah. there's what I, a lot of people come when they come on my coaching, they're like, they're shocked at how little I actually show them. They're expecting a lot more. And what I do is I get them to, to get rid of 98% of what they don't know, what they don't need to know, but get them to focus on two or three habits that will massively move the needle forward. But I also flip that around. As I sort of say, 80% of your food needs to be nutritious, lots of nutrients, lots of antioxidants. 20%, you can eat whatever the hell you want, as long as we control the calories. So most people, when they go on a diet, the reason why most diets fail, because 
the deficit is too severe and they don't even know what the deficit is. They've cut carbs. They've cut alcohol. They've cut coffee because Bob at the office told them that coffee was no good. You know, they've cut all the things that we enjoy. They like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, no wonder, like, yeah. how many people have you known, Greg, they go on the diet and they go, oh, my God, <laughs> I'm on this bloody diet. And then they lose 20 pounds for a holiday or vacation, as you guys say. And what do they do? They're like, oh, thank God, I'm off the diet. So what do they do? They go straight back to what they were eating before. Yeah. What I say is screw that. Let's do 80% where you're aiming for nutritious food that is good for you. But we actively put in 20% of the food that we think we shouldn't eat. So I tell people, if you're not eating some junk food every single week, you're going to fail. Because if I said to you, like, Greg, the only way you can lose 30 pounds, no carbs for 12 weeks, no alcohol, no coffee, in bed at 10, five days a week at the gym, you'd be like, serious? Is that what it's going to take? Now, you might, knowing you, might be determined, dogged. You might be one of these ones that think, you know what, I'm going to go for it. But that's not sustainable. I'm working with guys and girls, 35 to 55, 60 maybe, with two or three kids running a business, CEOs, entrepreneurs, business owners. They haven't got time to be prepping food and spending their whole life at the gym. They need real results in real time, which means if they want to eat a sandwich out, they can. If they want to have a, a takeout, they can. If they want to have a couple of glasses of wine or some gin and tonic. As long as they, they know, as long as they have an idea. Now, are you advocating, you know, I use an app called LifeSum and it tracks calories and you can, it's a company out of Sweden. You know, you can yeah. take pictures of the food it gives you an estimate. You know, there's so many of them out there. Do you yeah, advocate I, using any of those or do you have your own or what do you do? I, the best one and the easiest one I found is one called My Fitness Pal. Yeah, I know. One of the most, yeah, yeah, probably one of the most popular ones. Yeah. And it, again, you can take photos, you can save your meals, it, you can track it. And all my clients use My Fitness Pal. So it's not my app. Um, right. There's loads of ones that you can pay for, but the basic one here is enough. And here's the thing. Even if you think you're tracking 100% correct, you're not. Do you track your clients on an app? No, I, I don't. Words, they, feed, do you, they feed back to me. They feed back to me every week. So I'm not okay. tracking them. I'm not looking at individually. Yeah. But they all get back to me every Monday morning. They'll send me their macros. They'll, I actually get them to download what they've been tracking in the week. And then there's a feedback form where they'll tell me what worked, what didn't work, where do they need help. Uh, one of the questions is, I'll say to them, if you were coaching someone like you in your position right now, what would you tell them? Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful question because they then coach themselves. So they'll say, I'd tell that person to get to bed, start tracking and get to the gym and they basically told themselves what they need to do next week to get results so i'm they're feeding back to me and i'm making adjustments as they go along a basic calorie tracker yeah so you're using calorie tracker well that's good to know i mean because i do know that coaches like yourself can track people through apps and you can send them messages and they can send you messages back and whatever but i realize that they're using um the app that you just talked about and there's lots of them out there now, you speak in the book about The Matrix. It's a movie that if people haven't seen it, I'd be really surprised. But the reality is it's a, it's a very famous movie. But in the movie, 
uh, they're choosing to take a red pill or a blue pill or a red pill where we have the choice to change our circumstances. And if we take the red pill, how we can and how we can help us change the program or the program. Speak with us about that relationship between the matrix, the red pill and the blue pill and what the point was that you'd like to make to the listeners. Yeah, well, I, I just, uh, one, I love that film, but two, I thought it was just a great metaphor. Like, it's, because the reality is everything we do in life is about choices, isn't it? Like, we, yeah. unless you're living on the planet Mars, we know, if you're trying to lose weight, we know that we need to probably eat a little bit more food and burn a few more calories. Everyone mm-hmm. knows that, but why do so many people struggle? So the, the blue pill or the red pill was like, choice. Do I go down this way? Do I stay where I am being blissfully ignorant almost being uncomfortably no comfortably uncomfortable is a phrase mm-hmm. i like to use mm-hmm. so people if someone's got a hundred pounds to lose they do not want to be where they are but they can be very comfortable being uncomfortable now it's almost like apathy people are stuck they don't know where to go they get their mixed messages they've tried everything before so do they stay there and that's the like to the matrix do we stay in the blissful state of not knowing the truth which means you know when the guy goes back in out of the matrix and tastes the steak yeah and he's like oh and that's what people want they they want to stay there do do, ignore the fact that they might you know die early or get some degenerative disease because it's hard but the truth is hard the the reality well when you know you know gav when you speak about deprivation deprivation um people don't like that word right um, it's like going to the dentist and getting your teeth pulled, right? Um, because there's this, it's a craving that the body, now if you can get the chemicals within the body to start functioning properly, which is what you do, you then reduce those cravings, right? Because that's, that's what you're doing. You get it to a point where it's used to something new, but you yeah. have to take it there to a point for it to get used to something new. Now you but- state... What? Go ahead. So I was going to say the hardest thing, by going back to the pill, it literally is a decision. Here's the hardest step for someone joining my program is actually to give me their credit card and say, Gab, I'm in. And I'll explain that very quickly. The, the normal step, they'll come in from social media or they've seen a newsletter and they say, I want to lose 30 pounds. So I get them on. I have a phone call. I have a Zoom call like this with them. I tell them, find out where they are physically, mentally, emotionally. What's their reasons Why? What will this give to them if they lost that weight? All these things. And then I'll tell them exactly how my program works. Now, the hardest step for them is to actually say, you know what? Yes, I'm in. And that's the blue pill or the red pill. Do I stay where I am? And look, I've had I've had sales calls. Let's call it a sales call because that's what it is. I've had sales calls with multimillionaires. And I've pitched to them what it's going to cost them. And they're making more than that in a day some of the people I've spoken to. Oh, sure. And this is someone that's maybe 300 pounds and it would literally change their life. But that person has tried everything. They've got so, so many self-limiting beliefs. They've self-sabotaged. Everything is going against them. And they've gone, I need to go away and think about it. And I'm like, pulling my hair out. I'm about to change your life. So it literally is a case of stay where you are, being comfortably uncomfortable, or take that pill step down, jump down off the fence and go with it. And so when I say what's the hardest thing is them to say, you know what, 
I trust this guy, but what it is, it's not about trusting me. They don't trust themselves. They've tried so many things before. Why would this be any different? So, well, you know, I was speaking with Dr. James Ratty on here, just what I released his podcast, but he wrote a book called Spark about how the brain, brain chemistry works in relation to um, and what exercise actually does, because it's really the book is about the benefits of the uh, um, epinephrine, uh, the endorphins that are released as a result of okay. exercise. But that's it's more than that. So there's a study done by a doctor in San Diego, very famous. And these women would come in who were quite a bit obese, 300 pounds, had to lose like 150 kind of deal. Yeah. And what he found in every case, now this, is, this relates to the story you just told. In every case where there was this resistance, you know, they'd go on the, the weight loss thing and they'd maybe get 20 pounds and then they'd stop and they wouldn't go any further. And you've seen this because you've seen these TV shows, you know, my thousand pound, whatever, my 600 pound person, they had been um, sexually abused because he'd ask them early in their life. And that was their way. Now, think about this of not looking pretty for a man, right? Because if they lost the weight, they might go back to where they were. And that was very very painful. And even in a man's case. If you look at emotionally what's going on inside of his head yeah. and you look at, um, you know, I'm not saying they were sexually abused, but I'm saying there are emotional reasons that prevent those people from throwing their hat over the fence. Absolutely. Right? As they say, let's throw my hat over the fence that I'm going to yeah. take that risk, the red, red pill, green pill. What would you no. what would you tell those people? No, you're absolutely right. And I can't remember why. I- read this or heard this i think it was on a podcast i would like to remember but i remember exactly the mo- the sentiment behind it someone said that when you're speaking to um someone like you know in the 300 pound category very obese and life um it needs to be life changing for them to get to where they are um it's not a case of asking them you know um what's going on nearly all of them you need to ask to them what happened Right. And it's a it's nine times out of ten. There'll be someone listen to this to say, that's bollocks, it didn't happen to me. But nine times out of ten, ninety-nine times out of a hundred, there's been some type of major traumatic emotional majorly traumatic, yeah. Whether it's physical, sexual, mental, some type of abuse for them. And this is why weight loss is so tricky. It's the psychological aspect. It's when someone's 300 pounds, it's not a case of eat less food, exercise. We've got to look at that. Now, the question. Because they question, go and they actually go into a big, deep state of depression. Deep right? state of depression. And right? when people are in depression, you know how difficult it is to get them out and get them to lose weight. Right. Because those are your hardest customers to talk to. Yeah who yeah. say, hey, he wants me to lose weight. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not going there with that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. The, 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 tr- the truth is, um, all I can do on that call, I've got about 45 minutes to, uh, um, and convince is the wrong word because it sounds like I'm trying to get them to do something they don't want to do. Show them that what I've got to offer is going to help them, is going to work. And if I can instill that confidence in them, then they'll become a client. But I literally get off some of my calls. I'm like, if she just trusted me, right? I know I could have helped her. Or she, if she just said, you know what, this time's going to be different and got out the, 
you know, gab I'm in because I know that so many people get off a call and they're thinking to themselves, I wish I'd done that, but I just don't trust myself. There's so, it's, it's hard. It's very yeah. hard to get some people well, to no, jump look, across you, that fence. You, yeah. you state in the book that it's a combination of, you said, exercise, nutrition, but success habits. So I want to talk about the success habits and the correct mindset is vital to achieve great results. Um, how do you work with people to shift the mindset that's, that is probably the most important element to achieving uh, sustainable, and I'm going to say sustainable, results? Because all this other stuff aside, uh, calorie deficit, exercise, yeah. a, a deficit, more high protein, everything we're talking about. If you can't get the mind in the right shape to actually sure. want this, then you're kind of in a in a losing battle for sustainability. It, it, absolutely, and uh, you're right. And there's two parts to the puzzle. There's the the skill I call the skill set and the mindset. The skill set is calorie deficit, protein, exercise, and I can teach that to someone in an hour. The mindset, and the big part of what I do in the coaching, is we get people want to set good goals. But two, to have a dirty great, great reason why. We've heard, is it Simon Sinek or Sinek said it starts Simon with why? Simon yeah. Sinek, it starts with why. Because like the, the, people say, I, I know what to do. I just need to be motivated. And I say, look, you don't need motivation. Motivation will get you started, but it won't get you to the finish line. Because motivation is high when you've slept well, work's going well, family life is good, you know, money's good. But what happens when the shit hits the fan? Like if I only went to the gym on the days that I was motivated, I don't would wouldn't go half the amount of times I go. But my you've got to have a reason why, and a reason why is I get clients to say, write down ten reasons or ten things that you will have when you lose thirty pounds because it's not thirty pounds, and it gets people thinking they've never thought about that. Like, well, and here's a reason why for some people. I'm just going to make this up as I go along. Um, save my marriage have energy to play with the kids, bend over and touch my toes, not be in pain when I go to the bathroom, fit back into my clothes, have a better sex life, um, not die 20 years early. That's a reason why. Mm -hmm. So I get people to tell me your fucking reason why. Give me those reasons. When they can attach some emotion and some passion, then we're in with a chance. Because the skill set is easy. I can teach that in half an hour. But why most people, those guys, the three, four hundred pounders, they lose 20 pounds. Why do they revert straight back to where they were? Because there's that internal thermostat. And we see it in relationships, in money, in business. When someone loses 20, 30 pounds, if someone's got so much emotional baggage and trauma that, as you said, a lot of people have put weight on so they don't become attractive to a man or a woman that, it may have caused their trauma right. before. So it's that self-sabotage. One, they don't believe they can ever lose weight. So they've already got so many self-limiting beliefs. Then as they start to get a result, it's like, oh my God, I'm actually, this is working. And I'm actually going into uncharted territory. So they do something to mess up. How much are so, how much are you working with the subconscious mind? I'll just reflect here for a second. I work with a doctor yeah. here locally, Dr. Uh, Dr. Um, Stephen, uh, oh man, sorry, I'm missing his name. But any rate, he does hypnotherapy on me in the subconscious. And I think that the subconscious is so strong. 
So that it runs and, everything. Runs it, everything. It, it does, and <laughs> hopefully you're addressing it because I'll, I'll I use an example that he used with me. He said, "Would you rather be a person 67, which is my age right now, healthy for another 25 years, or be a person who has all the money that you you know you would like to make, and only have 10 years left in your life?" And the reality is, is that. What he was trying to do is get you to shift your mindset and perspective about what is important, right? Even before the hypnotherapy. So healthy for 25 years or somebody who still works like crazy, right? And only makes it 10 more years, right? So I think that, you know, when you put that, what is the, your kind of take on the subconscious and its uh, power over individuals to lose weight? Well, as you said, the, the subconscious runs everything. It's that, that programming, isn't it? And it's gone on. And, and look, it can be changed, but it's it's tough because it started from literally the day we were born, all through our childhood, all our experiences, all our um, parenting, all our schooling, all our situations that happened to us. That's what shaped, that is our subconscious. So basically every day we're now, we're running a subconscious program. Everything we do, we're, we're completely habitual humans. So to get someone that's been running a program that's not helping them lose weight or take care of their health for the last 40 or 50 years, it's really tough. It's really tough. But all we can do is start. And it means, it can mean changing their environment which means the people they hang around with. It can certainly mean working on themselves to so the books they read. We've all heard, um, you know, the, where you're going to be in five years is the sum of the people that you spend the most time with now. So it means taking them out of their environment. Again, I'm generalizing here, but most people that have got a lot of weight to lose, they might hang around with people that have also got a lot of weight to lose, that like to eat, like to drink. So it could be extracting them from that environment. Um, it, this topic itself <laughs> we could spend hours and I, it, I, it's, it's such an open-ended question, but I would say that 90%. Oh, I can't hear you. You've, have you muted yourself, Greg? You're on mute. I can't hear you. I'm sorry. You're you, back. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll cut that part out of this. Yeah. You evidently have been able to work with people in their subconscious. Uh, and the point is, is that, um, you're successful because of that. Um, obviously, it's part of your formula, and you have this two-one-one fat loss formula, and and it's in the book. And for my listeners, there's going to be a link to his website and to his book. Um, speak with you would if you would about the two-one-one formula, and if you were to leave our listeners with three strategies that they could take away from this show today. Uh, to release weight permanently, what advice would you give them? What are the three most good, important good, things? Good and what are the two one one fat loss? Okay, so the two one one just refers to the macro. So the two is protein. The first one is carbohydrates. The first one is fat. And I've actually changed a little bit, few things since then. But it, this is just a great way to work out the calories. And I said before earlier on, we want someone to be aiming for two grams of protein per kilo of intended body weight. So when I just call it the two on one, the two is referring to grams of protein. The one is referring to grams of carbohydrates. And the other one is referring to grams of fat. And from that, 
we can actually work out their total calories. But it's all it's it's also dependent. It depends where someone is. So it's just a formula to work out the calories. That's that first part. So the what about was, sugars? I mean, carbohydrates turn into sugar, but is there is okay. there a sugar formula in there anywhere? Okay, yeah. Okay, here's the thing. I'll tell you right now. Sugar is not making people fat. That's not the problem. Right. Sugar does not make people fat. And I put a poll up actually on LinkedIn. It went semi-viral. I said, what was the, what did you pe- people think was the cause of obesity? I and said, they all said sugar. sugar. <laughs> 70% said sugar. Um, and then some said education. Some said pizza. I did a flippant remark. Said pizza. <laughs> um, so they're, they're actually wrong because sugar consumption over the last 20 years has gone down. Um, what makes people fat? is overconsumption of calories you know that balance like if sugar was making people fat 95 percent of the athletes in the olympics right now would be obese most of them are probably having 100 200 grams of carbs 300 400 grams of carbohydrates a day and 150 grams of that is probably simple sugars Sugar is not making people fat. What makes people fat is an overconsumption of calories. And those calories can come from carbohydrates, and sugar is a part of that, or fat or protein. If you ate 5,000 calories of pure protein, one, apart from not being able to go to the bathroom, uh, <laughs> you would get, you'd, you'd get fat. And, and, and one, you'd be bored of eating chicken, turkey, eggs, protein shakes. Yeah. Like the, the point is, it's the calorie consumption that makes people fat. So to go back to the question, you said, what are the three things – the first thing people need to start tracking their calories, get a simple calorie tracker and look at what you're eating. Because most people, if I said to you, Greg, do you know the value of one dollar? Of course, you know exactly what one dollar is worth. You know what you can buy with one dollar, 100 cents. If I said to well, the real everyone, the real value right now, it's a rent was around 67 cents. I think it's actually yeah. less than that. It's probably about yeah. 40 cents right now. Exactly. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Wherever you are in the world, yeah. you know the value of your currency, like the yeah. dollar or the pound or the, the peso or the yen, whatever. The point is, no, most people don't know how many calories are in a gram of protein. Like if I said that to you right now, do you know how many calories are in a gram of protein? No. That's like asking a five-year-old how much is a dollar worth he has no clue she has no clue most people don't know that right so that's why we absolutely need to teach the basics so we need to get people to track the calories and get this is where i'm at this is how many calories roughly i'm taking in each day because most people eat the same things most days or at least over four or five days if you look at the foods you eat you've got 10 or 12 sources of food that you tend to rotate because that's just what people do. So we need to track their calories. Secondly, we need to get them to focus more on their nutrition than the exercise. Most people spend all the time working out, trying to burn off calories, get them to focus on not taking the calories in in the first place. I will say to people, is it easier to burn 500 calories in the gym or not eat a slice of cake that's 500 calories? Because that's just a decision. Like, don't eat the cake say 500 calories or most people go and eat the cake and then try and burn the calories off that's just a a backward way of doing it the third point what would be the best thing to do so tracking calories focus on nutrition focus on the why yeah focus on that reason why am i trying to lose weight like what what's i my first question to people okay why now i like well i want to lose weight because energy get back into my clothes 
you know, my wife won't leave me. Well, that's the reason why. Not You don't want to weigh 30 pounds less on the scales. That's not, people don't want to say, oh, I'm 160 pounds. That's not what they're looking for. They're looking for what does 160 pounds What does it feel for? like? They want to know what exactly. it feels like and what exactly. they look like. Yes, yes. So and, I, I and, agree and look, with you. And when things go wrong, like if I look at most of my clients that lose 20 to 30 pounds in 12 weeks, if I've got one that sticks in my head, a guy called Samad, he's in my mastery program. He lost 24 pounds in the first 12 weeks, which was a pretty average result. Very good. He's up to about 35 pounds now, but he only lost weight seven out of 12 weeks. So it was five weeks where nothing. In right. fact, three of those weeks, he actually put weight on as in he gained a pound. Yeah. So the mental aspect of that. Now, when someone's morbidly obese, when they're not losing weight every single week, when they don't realize that things are going to go wrong or they don't realize they have, don't have to be perfect, that's what stops people. They lose 20 pounds. They're like, oh, this is uncomfortable. It's not working. It's never going to work. I'm going back to where I was before being comfortably uncomfortable. So the mental side of it is before. So tracking calories, focus, understand nutrition, how that works, and then having a reason why and looking at a psychological aspect. So, but it's tough. It's not easy. Well, that's why they hire you, and they should go get this book. You can get it off of Amazon, the GHG method. There we are. There we go. He he's got it straighter than I do. Um, yeah. We will put a link to the book. We'll put a link to Gav's website as well. Gav, it's been an honor having you on. And actually, we got down and got dirty today. We really got into this, which yeah. I think for the people that listen to this podcast. There's a lot of value uh, in what he had to say. So go to his website, check him out, send him an email. Uh, if you're so inclined and you want to, sign up for his program. Uh, it isn't super expensive. Like he said, trust him because he's had results. Watch the testimonials. We'll have a link to some of the testimonials as well. Uh, Gav, a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth talking about how we change the mental mindset, which is probably the number one thing uh, that people have to do when it comes to weight release. Thanks. Absolutely. My pleasure, Greg. Thank you.